All right, you ready to jump into the words? Remember our series called Recalibrate, so get your Bibles out, your sermon notes. You can get on your YouVersion Bible app on your phone and go to the events section. You can also get the sermon notes available there. You can download them and save them to your phone or follow along. Let's get your Bibles out. Let's open up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, Recalibrate. We've been on this series for a while talking about recalibrating different areas of our life. Recalibrating is about three words. Number one is the standard, finding out what the standard is for our life. What are we measuring by when we're calibrating something? We've got to find what's our standard. What are we looking at? Number two is what's the difference? Where am I at? How far am I off from that? Where do I stand? And then number three is conformity is a big step about what am I going to do about it. Once I realize where the standard is and where I am, I realize what the gap is. What am I going to do to change? It's one thing to find out that I'm not what I should be or not where I should be, but it's something a whole different when we actually choose to do something about it. You know, we could say things, and maybe you've said it, and I know I've said it, maybe you've heard people say this a lot. Well, I'm just not where I should be. That's the difference step. That's you've measured against the standard. You realize I'm not where I should be, but if we just stay in that place, well, I'm not where I should be. Well, what are we going to do about it? We can just stay where we are and say, well, I'm not, I don't read my Bible like I should. Well, that's recognizing the difference from the standard, but if I don't do something about it, guess what? In a year from now, we're still not going to be reading our Bible like we should. So it's figuring out what are we going to do. The conformity stage is real important. So we recalibrate all kinds of stuff. Our ears, recalibrate our ears, what we listen to. We recalibrate our eyes. That's, those are the gates into our hearts. Reason you got to be careful what you listen to and what you watch is because that's what you got to guard what's going into your heart. Then we recalibrated our mouths because our mouths represent what comes out of our heart. How many, how many knows we need to run a filter sometime between what comes out of our, heart, our mouth? All right, so we can talk about, we've already talked about that. So our mouth is a gateway out of our heart. Now we're recalibrating our minds, and this is so important. I believe it's probably the most important of them all. And to recalibrate our minds because the mind, if the ears and the eyes are the gateway into the heart and the mouth is the gateway out of the heart, your mind is the gateway for on earth as it is in heaven. It's the gateway for the kingdom of God. It's the gateway for the kingdom of God. So we're going to recalibrate the mind through three, three things, three steps. Number one is what's the example. Number two, what's my experience, the difference. And number three, what's the exchange. Once I realize that there's a difference, what am I going to exchange? So we've been talking about the standard. We're going to jump into that. Matthew chapter 6. I'm just going to uh, briefly touch on this, and then we'll go right into some other stuff. Because i got some meat on this bone I want to get to. And so I want to I jump through some hoops to get there. Matthew chapter 6, this is Jesus talking. It's in the red, so it's kind of important. Verse 9, it says, In this manner, therefore, talking about pray, we want, I want to teach you how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. So what's the standard for recalibrating our mind, how we think, what is the example? The example is, number one, it's coming from Jesus on earth as it is in heaven. That's the standard. This is what we're measuring by. On earth as it is in heaven. I talked about how in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, when God created man and woman. Remember, Adam is called the first Adam and Jesus is called the last Adam. 
I want you to see the comparison here. So Jesus just said, all right, we pray the Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember in Genesis 28, 28, when God made man and woman, he put them in the garden, and here was his command to them. Here was his directive to them. Ready? Here's what he said. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds there, over everything that walks on the earth. Have dominion. So he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and have dominion. Right? So he said that in the beginning. So now, where were they when God told them to be fruitful, to multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and have dominion? Where were they at? They were on the earth. When God created man, he could have put them anywhere, but he put them on the earth. Right? So when he put them on the earth, and he put them in the garden, he said, you can eat of all the trees of the the garden except one. Don't eat of this one. Eat of this tree, you're going to die, but if you eat of the tree of life, everything will be fine. All the other trees are fine. They had a tree of life in there. They didn't eat that. If they would have eaten the tree of life, how long would they have lived for? They would have lived forever. So here's the thing. We've got to recalibrate our mind with this concept. Are you ready? This is something we've got to get down in our heart. From the beginning, the standard, God's intent was never to get man to heaven. It was to get heaven to the earth. I'm going to drop a few bombs today, and I don't mean to do it to be controversial. I'm just doing it to be obedient. God asked me if I was willing to teach what he was putting in my heart, and I said, maybe. (laughs) Just being honest. I said, it depends. So here's some things I want to show you, and I want you to communicate. And so when we realize this, that from the beginning... What happened, mankind has twisted and things and religion has got it where we believe that God's goal is to get human beings off the earth into heaven. And from the very beginning, that was not God's agenda. God's agenda was for earth to be as in heaven. And Jesus comes along and reaffirms that it's still the agenda of heaven. It was the agenda in Genesis 1 and it's still the agenda in Matthew 6 on earth as it is in heaven. So now once we understand that, we got to look at things through a different lens. we got to recalibrate our brain because what happens, religion will teach us escapism. we just got to get out of here. Just got to get out of here. And God says, no, I want me to get in here. If you'll allow me to partner with you, allow me into your life, I want to bring heaven into this. What was happening on the earth? It was dark. It was void. It was full of... Chaos, right? Until God showed up. God loves showing up in chaos. God's not afraid of chaos. He says, bring me some chaos. I'll show up and straighten it out. So from the beginning, we can't say God wants to get us out of this chaotic, evil world. No, he wants to come in this world and make it unchaotic and full of the goodness of God. (sighs) Oh, just warming up. All right, so now... Now let's go to Matthew 6 where it says here, your kingdom come. So we realize God did not put mankind on the earth to get them to heaven, but the assignment was to bring heaven into the earth. So now if Jesus says, he shows up in Matthew chapter 4 and Jesus starts to say this. Matthew chapter 4 verse 17, Jesus shows up in the scene. He begins to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand just means it's here, come near you. So when Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven has come near you, he said first, repent. Why did he say repent first? 
When he said repent, again, we've got to recalibrate our brain. He's not saying, everyone ask forgiveness of your sins. That's not what the word repent means. The word repent literally in the Greek, and I put it there in your sermon notes, is a Greek word metaneo, which means to think again. To change the way you think. I give it to you in the full format there, and I'll just read it to you. It means to think differently to change one's way of life as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude. Repent. Change the way you live. Jesus knew what we know right now, that we will never change the way we live unless we change the way we think. As long as we think it's okay to do a certain thing, we will keep doing a certain thing. Our thinking determines our behavior. The way I think, the Bible says, as a person thinks in their heart, so is that. Well, I, I changed that. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what we're talking about, how I think and put inside of me, that becomes my basis for what I believe from. And what I believe from is what I'll behave from. So I will not change how I behave unless I change how I believe, which is dependent on me changing how I think. See how it comes. I got to change the way I think, change the way I believe, change the way I behave. Too many times we're wanting to change the way we behave without changing the way we think. You can't skip the step. Can't skip it. So now he says repent because the kingdom of heaven is here. What does he mean? Did what, When Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is here, did the earth look different? Were there streets of gold where Jesus was walking? It, was, there, it wasn't thrones and angels everywhere. So when he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he wasn't talking about a geographical place. He was talking about a system. Change the way you think because the system, the ways of heaven are here. How are they here? Because Jesus is here. So when Jesus showed up, he brought with him the thinking of heaven. You want to know how the Father thinks? Look at how Jesus thinks. You want to know how heaven thinks about issues? Look at how Jesus dealt with issues. It's just how we got to build our theology. How do I, how do I understand? What is, what is the Father? What's heaven's idea on what they want to do with sick people? What did Jesus do with sick people? Healed them. There was never one person that came to Jesus and said, will you heal me? He said, no, I'm sorry, but this has been given to you to make you a better Christian. He, he never once made that statement of, hey, listen, the Father has decided to give you this so that you'll be more humble. Never happened. Recalibrator thinking. He was telling us, repent, think, think differently because the system of heaven is at hand. So now, that, well, you say, well, that's Jesus. Well, remember, Jesus was son of God and son of man. Son of God, he came from heaven. Son of man, he was born of a woman. So let's say, okay, let's say it's about Jesus. So we get tripped up on Jesus. But also realize in Matthew chapter 10, he sent out the 12 disciples who were not born from heaven. They were, had a male, had an had a earthly father and earthly mother. He sent out the 12. And he told the, the 12 disciples, he said, go into the world and as you go, preach and tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Same thing. These are men, normal men, just like us. You remember Peter? He was less than perfect. Other people, less than perfect. They all bailed on Jesus when he's crucified. So these weren't perfected people. But he said, go and tell them that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as you preach the kingdom of heaven's hand, I want you to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely receive, freely give. Well, that's the 12 disciples. 
You know, the 12 disciples were special, and once they died off, then the power began to go. Okay, well, he also sent out 70 people in Luke chapter 10. They weren't part of the 12. 70 regular Joes. And these 70, he gave them authority over sickness and over all the power of the enemy, and he sent them out, and he said, I want you to tell people when you show up, I want you to tell them the kingdom of heaven is here. Wait a minute, these were real people. And he told them to tell people that the kingdom of heaven was here. Was Jesus physically with them? No. Was was heaven on the earth? No. But the kingdom of heaven was there. Why? Because Luke 17 tells us the kingdom of heaven is not here or there, but the kingdom of heaven is within you. All right, so now here's what we got to understand. Here's something else that I thought about this week that I thought was really interesting. Do you realize that Matthew chapter 10 and Luke chapter 10 comes before Acts chapter 2? So remember the 70, the regular Joes came back to Jesus and they said, Jesus, it's incredible. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. This is without the Holy Spirit in their life. So now that tells me Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, it specifically says the authority came from Jesus. He gave it to them. That tells me with the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. So we got to realize that when we're walking around, the kingdom of heaven is with us. And this is what God is trying to give. That's our standard. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking at. The kingdom of heaven is here. So now, let's look at the next part of this verse. Your kingdom come. We got that part. It's in us. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. So what is the standard? Is the standard our will or God's will? It's God's will. Your will be done. So Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 38, For I have come down from heaven, here's his purpose, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. How could Jesus do the will of the Father if he didn't know the will of the Father? Here's what I'm getting at, where it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Is it possible then to know the will of God? A lot of times it's presented like this. Well, you never know what God wants to do. God works in mysterious ways. And so there's this big confusion about, well, it's impossible to know the will of God. Now, I'm not presenting to you or trying to even put it across that we can know everything about the will of God. We can't, but we can understand how his process works as he reveals it to us. Because look what Ephesians says. Ephesians 5, 17 says this, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Scripture would not tell us to understand what the will of the Lord is if we couldn't understand what the will of the Lord is. It would be terrible for God to require something of us that we could not do. Chad, understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, I can't. It's impossible. Oh, my bad. Have you ever helped your kids with their homework? I was helping one of mine the other day. Have you ever had one of those situations where your your child just wants you to tell them the answer? Let's just cut to the chase. They want to play the card of, I can't figure it out. Have you tried? Yes. So they just want to get the end result. Now, we can understand that from a child's standpoint, but if you will work with them and say, now listen, let's talk this out, and you work through the steps, 
you know the answer, but your, uh, your agenda is to help them figure out the answer. Because it's better for them to learn for themselves. Even though I could tell them quickly what it is, it's not going to help them if they don't figure out how to get the answer for themselves. I like math, and so we're working on the process, and I say, wait a minute, you got to do these steps. If you don't do these steps, you're not going to get the answer. I just want to know the answer. I know, but you got to figure out the steps. It's the same way with the Lord. Could God just tell me what he wants? Yes, but he wants me to understand. Look what the word understand means. It means to put together, to employ one's capacity for understanding, and thus to arrive at an insight. Our problem too many times is we don't want to employ our capacity to understand God. We just want him to tell us now. We want God to insert his will into our news feed as we scroll every day. Is there any way, God, you can just tell me what you want to do right here? Uh, Could you make an Instagram post for that for me? Slide it right in here. Anyway, could you Snapchat me, Lord, just what you want me to do today? Because I've I've got a, I'm just scrolling through my feed. But he asks us, if you want to understand my will, sometimes you've got to figure out the process and put the pieces together. Sometimes in churchianity and religion, I don't know if you do, I've done this, I've been guilty of this too many times. In religious circles, sometimes we'll say that we're praying about something when we're really just thinking about something. We'll say we're praying about something when we're really just worrying about something. Well, I've been praying about that. No, you haven't. You've been worrying about it all day long. Haven't stopped and prayed. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself, right? So I'm not hating on anybody else. But I, I'm, saying, well, I'm, I'm just, just praying about that. God said, really? Because I don't remember... Any time where you sit down for 30 minutes and just listen to my voice and sought my face on the matter. I've heard you calling people and seeing you texting people, and I've heard you talking about it, but I don't remember you kneeling and saying, Father, I need your direction. I don't know if that's you, but I'm just saying, if we're going to understand the will of the Lord, we got to seek the will of the Lord. It's not going to come on my news feed. It's not going to come on my Instagram feed. It's going to come when I seek his face and say, God, I want to know you. See, sometimes we just want him to give us the answer. So your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But look what it says, your will be done. Here's something I thought was interesting. Your will be done. Jesus said in that scripture that I come from heaven Not to do my own will, but to do, you could insert that, to do the will of the Father. So when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done, is this a passive prayer of, Lord, whatever your will is, be done. This is a lot of what, I'm going to recalibrate some things because this is a lot of what I was taught. That you just pray, Lord, whatever your will is, be done. And it was just vague because who could ever know what the will of God is? So now we begin to understand, is this a passive prayer or was it a participation prayer? Jesus is saying, pray to the Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, I came from heaven to do the will of my Father. To do. Here's what I want to submit to you. That the will of God in my life is only going to happen when I partner with him to see it accomplished in my life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. I was, I was part of the royal ambassadors when I was a kid. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative of, of, of another country, a person of authority. We are ambassadors on the earth. 
not of my own authority, of his authority, but I represent him. He wants to partner with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 also calls us co-laborers or fellow workers, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Fellow workers means union together. So if we want to work, uh, part of recalibrating our mind is realizing that God wants you and I to partner with him to see his desires come to pass in your life. It requires our participation. But too many times what we want to do is go about our life, do what we want when we want, and just expect God to ransack our life once in a while and bring his will in. We, we think, well, I'm just going to do this, and we'll say, God, I just ask you to bless this today, what I'm doing. I just ask you to bless my job. And he's like, did you ever ask me if you should take that job? Well, I just ask you to bless my boyfriend or bless my smoking hot girlfriend. Could be smoking hot boyfriend. Sorry, I didn't want to leave anybody out. But it could be as God saying, wait a minute, did you even ask me? If you're supposed to be in a relationship with that person. I'm not getting on anybody's grill here. I'm just saying if we will just ask God what his will is, we will not have to ask him to bless it. His will is already blessed. It's a whole lot easier way to live than to take, get into a situation and flip a coin and hope God's blessings on it. How about we pray ahead of time? And say, God, what is your will for my life? I will make a decision according to your will, and I know that your will will be blessed. So your will be done. Your will be done. we got to partner with that. You want God's will to work in your life? We'll ask him what his will is and partner with that. Make decisions based on time spent with God. Not decisions based on what just I think. Here's what I think. Well, here's what all my friends say. Here's what they say on Facebook to do. Here's what Pinterest says. I'm, I'm, I'm not against any of those things. I'm just saying pray first and maybe God will send you to Pinterest to get a great idea because God has used natural things to speak to me many times. He's used other people to speak. I pray God show me something and someone comes up and tells me and I'm like, hang on, I'm trying to hear from God. And he's like, I'm telling you through them, pay attention. Right? Well, sometimes it could be th something like that, but we've got to seek the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. So what's our example? On earth as it is in heaven. So that's the example part. Next one's our experience. Okay, here's, the, here's another part I just want to get into today. What if my earthly experience does not match the heavenly example? Anybody ever lived there before? That if you would say, oh, if I'd say, okay, Chad, uh, the, if the standard is heaven, then my life is a whole lot more like hell than heaven. If the standard is on earth as it is in heaven, then my life looks a whole lot more like hell than heaven. So what's the problem? You're realizing the difference. The standard's on, on earth as it is in heaven, and I don't see it on the earth. So as I was praying into this and asking God about it, I said, Lord, isn't that, that's impossible on earth as it is in heaven because heaven is like, you know, perfect. Had this concept of, of uh, you know, streets of gold. And, you know, when we say the word heaven, we automatically will disqualify anything resembling our life with that. Because we say heaven, we see, you know, people 
just walking around and, you know, feeding each other grapes, fanning each other, just this wonderful place. And it may be happening like that, I don't know. But as soon as we say on earth as it is in heaven, we say there is no way because my life will never be like heaven. Heaven is perfect and I'm not perfect. And here's what God spoke to me. He said, Chad, I'm not challenging you on the beauty of heaven. I'm challenging you on your concept of the principle of heaven. And here's how, here's how it came about. If my earthly experience does not match the heavenly example, it does not mean that I will not have opposition, adversity, or resistance. If we say on earth as it is in heaven, we immediately start to think that means no opposition, no resistance, or no uh, adversity. Somehow we got it into our hearts that the kingdom of heaven means the absence of of resistance, opposition, or adversity. The standard of the kingdom of heaven is not the absence of those things. It is the ability to subdue and have dominion in the face of adversity, opposition, and resistance. So now on earth as it is in heaven. So, okay, we got to go to a couple examples just to bring it, bring it to reality. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, was there any sin in the garden? No, in them. Adam and Eve, did they have a sin nature? No, they did not have a sin nature. But they were able to sin without a sin nature. I'm going to drop another bomb here, okay? If they were able to sin without a sin nature, how does that mean that I can't choose God from a sin nature? Then you're telling me the power of sin is greater than the power of God. <laughs> see, 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 sometimes you can be taught that, that there's this, this situation where they were in a perfect place. And they chose sin. Let me add, let me add. Okay, how about Lucifer? One of the big three angels. Right? There's three archangels. There was Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Three archangels in heaven. Trinities, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We don't have time to teach on that. But anyway, Lucifer was one of the archangels. And Lucifer was in a perfect place. Perfect environment. And he still chose sin. Now, as soon as he chose sin, bam, he's out. But where did he choose to sin? Where was he located? He was in the presence of God. Where was Adam and Eve? They were in the perfect place in the presence of God. So now he's, he's trying to recalibrate our thinking in this process to understand that the example of heaven on earth is not the absence of of opportunity for adversity or opposition. The example of heaven on the earth is for you to subdue and have dominion over everything that opposes or resists the kingdom of God. 
So you absolutely can have heaven on earth and still have adversity, opposition, and resistance. It's not a perfect life with no problems. the, The principle of God, the kingdom of heaven on earth was a progressive reality, a progressive expansion of the system of heaven to invade the earth. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, it's still the same. So now Chad can still be encouraged when I see adversity, opposition, and resistance all around me to keep on releasing the kingdom of God out of my life and I can have on earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't mean if I have problems or resistance, it doesn't mean I can no longer qualify for on earth as it is in heaven. It's a system. It's a mindset. It's a a way of I saying, listen, here's resistance and adversity, but I'm going to keep on pressing on forward and I'm going to experience the blessing of God in my life. Do you see what I'm talking about? We've had the wrong concept of what heaven is about. See, because we've pictured heaven as some geographical place. It's some place where God lives. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've got we to think about this for a minute. As I'm meditating on this, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, God, what are you saying? I just, it's like, wait a minute, okay, so if heaven, if it's all about getting to heaven, the Bible says that, that the heavens and the earth will pass away. That heavens were created by God. So if heaven came from God, it came out of God. Who's bigger, God or heaven? God. If heaven's going to pass away, heaven's no longer eternal. So now the kingdom of heaven is not about a geographical place. process with me. So the kingdom of heaven is not just about a place where God lives. The kingdom of heaven is something that comes out of God. It's called heaven as far as where he resides, but you got to understand this. Oh, even, even in Hebrews, it talks about the, the, temp, the tabernacle that was created on the earth was a mirror or a copy of what was already in heaven. Do you realize that everything we see on the earth is a mirror or copy of what God already has? Why? Because it all came out of him. Your Bible says that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So now we're recalibrating our thinking for this to understand that the example of heaven is not to get away from the big bad earth, but to bring the system of heaven into the earth. Here's what Romans 12 says. Romans 12, 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil. The kingdom of heaven is not the absence of evil. It's the overcoming of evil. It's saying, hey, there may be evil in the world, but I'm going to overcome it. We're more than a conqueror through him that loves us. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. On earth as it is in heaven, it doesn't mean I don't have any problems. It just means those problems don't have me. I'm going to keep chugging. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep expanding the system of heaven through opposition, through adversity, through resistance. I'm going to see his kingdom come and his will be done in my life just as it is in heaven. Not heaven, the geographical place with streets of gold, but just as it is in the heart of God. The heart of God for Chad Everett, that's what he wants. I've got a kingdom that I want to release to you. It's the kingdom of heaven, and you can have it on earth. But as soon as we hear heaven, we start disqualifying ourselves because we think it's something up there unattainable, and God says, no, it's something I want to release in you. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
The disciples went and said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The 70 went and said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Are you grasping? You can show up at work tomorrow and say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You can. You say, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm not deserving of that. You tell me the 70 were deserving? Were they better people than you? The 12 disciples, we've seen their faults and their failures. They abandoned Jesus in his time of need. So you and I, you can go to school tomorrow and say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Tell your teacher as you walk in the classroom. (laughs) But see, here's what makes you tilt. I can hear it right now. The religious teaching in us makes us tilt. Oh, no, 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 that's sacrilegious. I'm telling you, you've got to recalibrate our thinking. Okay, I've got to get somewhere else. Oh, man, here she is. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Yeah, turn it off. Hey, no, listen, I want to get this to you because I want you to understand something here. When we're talking about our experience, the example of heaven, we got to recalibrate our thinking because it's not the definitions that we've accepted Many will take their experience or the experience of someone else. Let's say it this way. They'll take their experience or the lack of their experiences or the experience of someone else or the lack of their experiences, and they will begin to define what the example is. And God's saying, I don't want you to be limited by that. I don't want you to be limited on how you define the kingdom of heaven in your life based on the experiences or the lack of those experiences. Just because you've never seen anyone else have it happen in their life, it doesn't mean God can't do it in your life. Just because you've seen everybody else fail and you've got all these stories of how that's crazy or all these experiences, how you've tried and it did not work, do not let that get you to unplug from continuing through adversity, opposition, and resistance to spread the kingdom of heaven in your life. If you've got an area of your life that's not lining up with the, on earth as it is in heaven, don't quit because of resistance and opposition. That's not a disqualifier. Keep on going. When I have an area of my life that I'm not experiencing on earth as it is in heaven, I get frustrated, but God's teaching me and he, he's keeping and reminding me that, listen, just because there's resistance, opposition, and adversity, don't quit. You press through it and keep going. But how do we do it? Look at, look at one place, one place. Matthew chapter 16, and I'll quit here. Because <laughs> I just know where else I, I want to go. We're going we're to continue this. We have to, we have to. I believe recalibrating our minds is one of the most important things that we'll do. But look at Matthew 16, verse 18. All right, turn faster. And it says, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. I will build my church. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The gates of Hades. Jesus introduces something called the gates of Hades. And as we recalibrate our mind, I want you to, I'm going to leave you with this point today. I'm going to drop a mic here in a moment. Because I want you to meditate on something that God's, Speaking in my heart, the gates of Hades. Some people read that, that the gates of heaven will prevail against the onslaught of the enemy. That the gates of heaven are strong, the enemy's bombarding. But the church has got to realize that we're on offense, not on defense. Stop listening to the teaching that's maybe put in your head 
People have heard this. Be careful, the devil might hear you. Like we need to be afraid of the devil. Do not ever be afraid of the devil. It's not pride, it's not arrogance. That's direction from Jesus. Never be afraid of what the devil can do. The devil is more afraid of you than you are of him. He's afraid of the church because he says the gates of hell. So the gates of hell is a defensive place. So he says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So the question that I begin to think, I've preached this verse so many times, but this week something different. It's like where are the gates of hell? Where are they? Are they some place down in the center of the earth that we're beating on? Let me in. I went to the enemy's camp and I took. Where are the gates of hell? What does this mean, this gate? Well, you got to understand what a gate means. The word gate means a place of transition or access. You can go into a field or a backyard. You go into a gate. So if now we say the gates of Hades, if it's a place of access, we can also say the access of Hades or the access of hell. So where are the access points of hell? It's our mind. The gates of hell are right here between your ears. It's access points. We were kids used to help my grandpa and my dad with cows some. And one of my responsibilities one of these times is they, they're going to run these cattle into this certain area. And uh, I was supposed to close the gate so that when they run into this area, they would stay in that area. Well, Chad was probably distracted by something very important, and I didn't close the gate. So when the cows ran in, they just ran right back out. (laughs) It was not a popular situation for me. Here's the point. A gate gives access. The gates of Hades. Now, if you'll read a few more verses, and we'll come back to this, but if you'll read a few more verses, this is Peter talking to Jesus, right? And, and Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And he said, You're, you are the Son of God. And, and Jesus was like, yes, Peter, you're the man. You're awesome. On this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. It was a great moment for Peter. It was like, yep, I'm Peter. Church being built right here on me. But look a few verses later. Jesus was telling the disciples, hey, uh, I'm going to have to die on the cross. And Peter pulls Jesus aside. And he says, Jesus, hey, now listen here. That is not going to happen on my watch. I got a sword right here. And I'm telling you, nobody's going to crucify you, not while I'm here. And Jesus turns and looks at Peter. And he says, get behind me, Satan. But look what he said. I always stop there. And he says, you are not mindful of the things of God, but you are mindful of the things of man. Mindful. Your mind is full. Your mind is full of the wrong thoughts. Peter had opened a gate. The wrong gate. And when you open the wrong gate, 
then now the enemy gets access. And now the enemy was talking through Peter because Peter had opened a gate in his mind through a thought. See, there's two kingdoms that's vying for our attention, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, and they're competing for access into our life. And whichever one we will agree with, we will empower. The kingdom you agree with is the kingdom you empower. So when Jesus heard something that went against the agenda of heaven, there's only one other place it comes from. What does that tell me? He did not say, Peter, you devil worshiper. He didn't say that. Just a few verses before, he called him blessed. Built a church on him. But this is what can happen when we open the wrong gate. Because when you open the gate just a little bit, he brings in with it everything else. It's just one little thing. It's just one little time. I just, just one, little, one little thing. I just want to look a little bit at these pictures online. I, I just want to watch this movie. It's just one. I just, I just want to let him or her touch me. It's just one little. It's nothing major. I just, it's just one time having sex. It's just, just one time saying those words. It's just one, just one little. Open the gate. And once you open the gate... Everything else, all of his buddies start flooding in there. It wasn't one cow that got out. That would have been a whole lot better for old Chad. All of them got out. Why? Because I left the gate open. Got to recalibrate our mind. Because... There's a kingdom that's vying for your attention. We're going we're to have to talk about this more. i got to land this plane in a hurry. But I'm so filled right now with what God is speaking. I just feel him speaking to your hearts. I feel the Holy Spirit. Because people, if you will get this, I want to speak. If I could speak directly into the lives of people 12 years old to 24, I would tell them, Guard your gates. Guard your gates. Now, that's not saying for us that are much older than that, that we don't need to guard our gates. It doesn't mean my life is over because I opened the gate and something bad happened. It just means God says, guard your gates of your mind because what you meditate on is the kingdom you give access to in your life. And when I meditate on the voice of the enemy, I give access into my heart to create a belief about myself that does not come from heaven. I will not experience on earth as it is in heaven as long as a voice from hell is dominating my mind. At some point, I gotta close that gate and say, I'm not listening to your junk anymore. You're not going to speak to me that way. I am not who you say I am. I am who he says I am. So I close that gate and I open that gate and I say, Lord, let your voice speak into my heart. 